Welcome back to another episode of The Taste. This is Doug Schaefer at Schaefer Vineyards. Today we're going to dig into a winery story that goes way back to the late 1800s here in the Napa Valley. I'm talking today with a brother-sister team who are the third generation of their family to grow grapes and make wine on a beautiful plot of land with a fascinating history. We've got a lot to cover, a lot of great stories, so let's get started. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Taste. Doug Schaefer with another episode. We've got a couple of guests today. They are siblings, third generation of a long-time Napa Valley winery family, Haley and Lorenzo Trefethen of Trefethen Winery. I've known their folks, John and Jan, for a long time, but I haven't spent too much time with these guys, so it's kind of fun to have them here. I think Lorenzo, my last... My best memory of you is some of those crazy things you and my nephew long many years ago <laughs> oh, in, high, no. in high school. But I was we, gonna say we've been on. Yeah, I've seen you on the road. That's, yeah, on that's the road, always where we. That's catch usually up. where we see each other. <laughs> yeah. But my, my first recollections were some high school boy stories, which oh, we won't go there into. Were a few but that's antics. okay. Yeah, we, we might go, go into them. We'll so, see. Yeah. Uh, so welcome, you guys. Good to see you. It's great to be here. Yeah. Thank you, Doug. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, thank you. So listen, Trefethen around 50 years or more, uh, we got to start in the beginning. Give me some history. It's a really historic property going way, way back. Oh, yeah. How much time you have? Oh, we got we got as much as you guys want. <laughs> well, 1800s, there was uh, the first boom, uh, golden age of Napa Valley, and the property that we're on now is called Eshkel and um, Hamden McIntyre, who was kind of like the Howard Backen of his day. Um, Architect? Yeah, okay. architect. Uh, every every new winery in the Napa Valley seems to be a Howard Backen project. Back then it was, uh, it was Hamden, and he was originally... A ship captain for Gustav Niebaum. And okay. He, he actually wasn't the ship captain. Not the ship captain. You correct me. <laughs> this <laughs> I like. This is yeah, fun. This yeah. is fun. Yeah, okay. He had the honorary title of um, captain because he did spend so much time on ships and everything. But he was actually an engineer by training. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. See, I'm learning something too. <laughs> but we all are. Haley, thank goodness you're here. But what a great name, Hamden McIntyre. Okay, so he was an engineer. Yeah. We called him captain. Yeah. And he designed buildings. He also, he made a little wine. And so that's why he had this insight into designing wineries. So he designed what's now known as like the big four. And so Eshkel, our winery, was one of them. Right. And then Farniente, the Culinary Institute at... um, Greystone, 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 which was exactly. Christian Brothers years ago, yeah. right? Um, and then uh, Inglenook. And Inglenook. so. And Frog's Leap and Flora Springs. And <laughs> the list goes on and on and on. The big four. And so it's fun because there's oh, like. Flora little... Springs, yeah. 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 And what. Uh, what's oh, and the Frog's Leap barn. Barn. Yeah. barn. Yeah. Oh my gosh, he did all those? Yeah. He did all those. No, it's crazy. It's like every time we go. When you start going out, into the buildings, you'll see things yeah. that are like very uniquely his. Like, oh, oh that's this cool. looks familiar. Yeah. And mom tells stories. She because uh, essentially Farniente right. and Eshkol were more or less the same building. One was just made out of stone and built into a hill, as opposed to where we are on the valley floor and all in wood. And she tells stories about basically walking Farniente blindfolded because mm-hmm. it was the same layout. It's the same layout. Yeah. Yeah, because I can remember Farniente was abandoned forever. Yeah, so was Eshkel. And so was Eshkel. Okay, because, okay, all right, all right, well, don't let me interrupt. Oh, no. Carry well, on. So I mean, when the winery was built in 1886, there were over 140 wineries in the valley. So it was booming. 
Uh, the cool part about the Eshkol building was it was really technologically advanced because it wasn't built into a hill. Everyone else was built into a hill, so you drive your horse and buggy with your grapes up and you'd be at the third floor. Um, and at Eshkol, they actually developed this whole horse-drawn elevator system and then in 1910 got a Foos engine and they actually had a conveyor belt that took grapes up to the third floor. Okay, so s- let's start in the beginning. We want to get grapes <laughs> on the top floor because... <laughs> so, well, you don't have pumps and everything, so you want to use gravity. And gravity. basically, so on the third floor, you want to crush everything. And then they just use like wooden troughs and all the juice would just freely, freely flow down to the second floor um, into big wooden vats. And so uh, the second floor has these really tall ceilings because you were, had all of, you were, you were fermenting in right. there. So you had really lovely tall ceilings and big tanks. Um, and then down to the first floor for kind of like barrel aging and bottling. That's so cool. Yeah. And so I got it. So when you're on a hillside, you got the road that goes up the hill to exactly. the top. You draw them up. But with your place on the valley floor. Horse-drawn elevator. Horse-drawn elevator. Mm-hmm. So it was powered by a horse-drawn. Horses and then, and then the fuse is like this like original internal combustion engine. It's like one cylinder. It's the size <laughs> of this table. Bigger. It's like eight horsepower maybe <laughs> and now, now we have like just a little electric motor yeah that's wild that's so cool that's thanks for explaining that because I, I wondered because yeah. i remember i was reading something about it was gravity flow i'm thinking yeah. how could it be gravity flow in, in the valley On floor the valley now flow. i get it okay yeah. the horse okay yeah and most other other like most of the reason that the other buildings in the valley are still all stone are the wooden ones from that era have all burned down. And burned down. And that's how dad always thought that this building, you know, would go. So one of the first things he did when he started making wine in there was put sprinklers in. Good yeah. for him. Yeah. Smart guy. Yeah. As it turns out, it was uh, another natural yeah, we'll, we'll disaster we'll that gave us we'll get, problems. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that later. <laughs> we have a lot of time. We got history. a lot, we got lot, a lot of time. Yeah. So, so the boom for Napa Valley, the late 1800s, 100 wineries. Yeah. And ha- was Hamden, was Ham, it was Hamden's property. Was he making the wine there? No, he was commissioned by the Goodman Brothers. Okay. The Goodman Brothers, actually, they were bankers and so brought the first bank to Napa, um, things like that. But and really there's also. the Goodman Library in downtown Napa. Yeah. Uh, in St. Helena, the Goodman Downtown. store. And, yeah, oh, there yeah. you go. Was yeah. that the same family? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, they were major philanthropists and really like built uh, the the valley in the early, early 1800s, or late 1800s. I didn't know that. You know, the more I find yeah. out about this valley, it's just totally it's fascinating. I mean, it's where everybody's related to everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah it is. No, it <laughs> is a, a small, incestuous business. We could, yeah. probably, we could probably manage, you know, eight or ten marriages and everybody be related. Oh, it's dear. Just, oh, uh, no, yeah, hopefully no. not that incestuous. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I want to go there. All right. So the Goodman brothers are making wine. How long do they make wine? Any idea? Um, <clears throat> well, the, they, they actually had some pretty early success. So 1886, the building was built all, and I should say it's this beautiful uh, building and all the timbers are Douglas fir and all right. the siding is redwood. It's yeah, tongue and groove, very redwood, unique. Growth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, couldn't build it today. Couldn't if you build wanted. it today right. if you wanted to. Right. And built right across from Oak Knoll Station, um, the railroad. Station. The train, train tracks. Because they right. were, you know, moving the, the barrels basically out the front door onto the train and then down to San Francisco. Wow. Um, but in 1889 at the World's Fair in Paris, um, that's when Inglenook won gold and a few of the Eshkol wines won some medals. And that was sort of like the first, the very first bottle shock all the way back all then. All the way back. Um, and, uh, oh, and that. for Cabernet, for Riesling, which are really fun. Simeon Dessert Wine. Now. Yeah. 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 Um, that's and neat. 
and they, uh, it was, yeah, it was this, cause the French had just recovered from phylloxera. And right. so they, this is a thank you to the Americans for kind of coming up with some rootstock that would fight back against phylloxera. They invited the Californians to attend, not thinking that they would win most of the medals, and we did. which they and did. We, and we did. Yeah. That's, that's a good story. Yeah. But one of the Goodman brothers actually passed away, and so it kind of started changing hands. Right. It started kind of yeah, going the downhill. Yeah, family. Yeah, and they kept it going for a while, and then you had Prohibition. And so... And that knocked it out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they tried to make wine for as long as they could, um, tacked, like, sheds onto the building to store all the wine, and after Prohibition, tried yeah, to sell it off out of five space. cents a gallon. But, yep. I Just mean, make it. you had that in the combination of phylloxera. I mean, you had couldn't make money because you couldn't sell wine. Right. So you had no money to put back into your dying vineyard, and it just destroyed Napa. Yeah. So you went it from, destroyed the American fine wine industry. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was Agreed. fun listening to some prior podcasts yeah. and, and hearing, you know, the advance of Thompson Seedless across California. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because, yeah, and you're not making wine. You just got to make you gotta raisins make and table grapes. You got to make a bunch of raisins. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's our property as enough vines died. Rather than planting like a Thompson, a, a seedless, they'd plant a walnut tree, a prune tree, okay. a pear tree, anything else, because they could harvest that. So basically that winery kind of went into hibernation. Yes. Like so many in the valley. Like so many. Yeah. It and was the property, one of the many ghost It was still it was a big property. It stayed all in one yeah. one, uh, one ownership. Yeah. The okay. Eshkol property originally was about maybe 240 acres, and okay. it stayed, stayed together until all my right. grandfather bought it. So then we fast forward to granddad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tell me about your grandfather, because he's got a story. He Eugene does. Yeah, well, yeah. I'll t- my middle name's Eugene, so you maybe I'll... Lorenzo, you go. You go. <laughs> I'll talk about you guys, get along very, you guys get along very well. <laughs> yeah. I like Surprisingly this. Surprisingly well, right? Just yeah. wait. <laughs> <laughs> we'll warm you up. Uh, I like... So um, Granddaddy grew up in the working summers in Santa Clara Valley, which okay. was... You read the novels of John Steinbeck. That was the Valley of the Heart's Delight. You could grow anything down there. Right. It's true. And over his lifetime, he watched that become Silicon Valley. Right. And then he was, we had, the family had a ranch in Walnut Creek that we called the North 40 because it was as far away from San Francisco as anyone wanted to get. And then. And it really was Walnuts. It was 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 Walnuts. It was a Walnut Walnut Creek. That's why it was called Walnut Creek. Okay. Yep. And he woke up one day, they'd put the tunnels in, they'd started converting everything to housing. And he woke up one day and realized he had like the last walnut farm in Walnut Creek. Oh my gosh. So he, he always had his roots in, in agriculture. And when they came to Napa Valley, he was really looking to invest in a place that was going to protect agriculture. But his, his day job was Kaiser Steel, right? His, yeah. Well, it was Kaiser. Kaiser was uh, Kaiser Industries. Industries it, was, it was Kaiser Steel, Kaiser Cement, Kaiser Gravel. There's the Kaiser Pipe Plant here in Napa. Mm-hmm. Big projects. Kaiser Air, Kaiser Car, Kaiser, Air. Kaiser Concrete. Yeah. They, Pretty much anything uh, you can think of. They did a few small projects like like the Hoover, the Hoover Dam. Dam. Yeah, I did, <laughs> the, I did Bay some, Bridge. the Bay Bridge. There's actually, one. I love this story. So this just speaks to like that era. So mm-hmm. they, they get the contract to do the underwater pylons for the Bay Bridge, which at that point in time was the largest overwater expanse in the world by okay. far. Got it. And they get the whole company together, uh, all of Kaiser at the San Francisco Ferry Building. And they're all having a party. And Henry Kaiser, Eugene Trefethen, Cornell Meyer, and a few engineers get on a tugboat and go into the, the bay towards Yerba Buena Island. And they go, all right, great. We got the contract. 
how the hell are we going to do this? <laughs> We've never done anything like that before. Well, no one had ever done anything. Yeah. No one had ever yeah. done anything. Of, yeah. And it was just Bless like, you. they, they, Henry would have these crazy ideas and he'd turn to Gene and say, go make it happen. Wow. Um, and one of the, one of, I think the brainchilds of our, my grandfather that we, um, are, it's just amazing to see what it's become as Kaiser became, uh, not the first, but one of the first, um, and definitely one of the major companies in the U S to provide healthcare for its employees. There you go. So it's um, one of the last things that granddaddy did before he retired. Yeah. And, oh. uh, so it used to be, you had to work for Kaiser to get Kaiser healthcare. And right. now of course there's Kaiser have. Permanente. That's yeah. what it grew into. So that's um, your granddad. That was, that was granddaddy. He was, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the story's amazing. He just, he, I like to say he dropped out of business school to go work for a small San Francisco startup in the 1930s. <laughs> you really didn't drop out of business school. You did not. There were no startup scene in San Francisco. Right. He was Henry's right hand man, and he became eventually chairman and sure. I think president as well. No, he ran it. Yeah. Um, what a story. Yeah, but, uh, but it's fun. I mean, those are the values that kind of stuck with us, you know, right. to the point that today, well, we have Kaiser at Trevethin well, and that's my healthcare. But yeah. I mean, that's for every employee across our company and, you know, healthcare and, and benefits. Have yeah, always all been of our taking guys. Care of your, taking care of your team is something that um, you definitely instilled I, in us. So, so he's got the last Walnut Creek, Walnut Orchard in Walnut right. Creek. And he's saying, and here comes Urban Sprawl. And he does. And so he came, I mean, he and Nana started visiting Napa Valley. And Nana had uh, an affection for wine. She'd always loved wine. She'd always loved Good. wine. And that was probably part of the success of Kaiser, actually, is they were doing, they were getting all these projects and the, the Trefethen sort of campaign dinners to get these projects became famous right. because... Nana was also a master gardener, and so you'd have sort of fresh vegetables on the table and this weird um, substance called Bordeaux. Um, <laughs> and, you know, no one had had good wine in the U.S. And people, it was Most like a steak and scotch. And scotch. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, beer and bourbon. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so they came to Napa, and there were, it was 1968, and there were a series of rather controversial zoning regulations in front of the county supervisors that uh, set about to establish the first agricultural preserve in North America. Mm -hmm. And if, and Napa was a poor agricultural community. Right. And anybody who wanted to make some money as a landowner was looking to sell to a developer. Right. And my grandfather came in, did a handshake deal on a few properties, but with the condition that the supervisors passed this thing. Oh, wow. And he flipped the economic calculus for enough people that this passed. And as you know, the Ag Preserve is a foundation of the Napa Valley today. It's kept us green. Yeah. yeah. Kept the developers out. But yeah. I mean, just wow. that forward thinking, I mean, and, and it goes to his history with Walnut Creek and, and the Santa Clara Valley, but just having that vision for something for the future, for it to remain in agriculture, that whole generation. It's just amazing. Well, he saw the Santa Clara Valley get paved over. Yeah. He yeah. saw the whole East Bay get developed in the housing. <clears throat> so how, how, old was, how old were they when they moved up here or, or when he bought the property? 
he, um, well, he, he was 68. up here partially, I think, because he fell victim to his own retirement policy at Kaiser. <laughs> so <laughs> He'd implemented a mandatory retirement oh, no. age. And it came yeah. back to yeah. bite him. Yeah, oh, he, no. wasn't, he wasn't totally ready. So this was his <laughs> retirement project. Yeah. Oh, bless his heart. Yeah, but but he, wasn't... he got a few other, they, they got the whole family into it, actually. They started sending bottles of wine to um, Nana's sister and... Barbara and Milt Isley came up the year afterwards and set up Isley Vineyards. Up in Calistoga. Yeah. Yeah. Which later became... uh, Araujo. Araujo, you did the Isley Biling, or Phelps did the... Yeah, Phelps had some great wines from there. And the Araujos bought it. Um, Okay, so... There are, so he's is he living up here in '68? Your grandparents slowly, or, slowly, okay. Yeah, kind of splitting their time between San Francisco. They still had the still had the place in San Francisco, and we're here and kind of remodeling the house that was built in 1910 on the property. Right, but they of, weren't they weren't making wine. No, just, he had no intention of no making intention wine. No intention of making wine. Yeah. But then now your dad. So how old's your dad when this is all going down? Oh, he's a young whippersnapper. Young, yeah, is, <laughs> just is, out of college in the Navy. John. He he came back from the Navy and was actually going uh, to business school on the peninsula and he came up with a small business plan for a theoretical family-owned winery okay. uh, in one of his classes. And on the weekends, he was coming up and um, tr- attempting <laughs> <laughs> to make wine in the basement of the house. Um, and I, there were a few incidents. I mean, he was literally making wine in like steel trash cans, basically. Yeah. Um, and, Some good uh, stories from those days. He put the lid on, because he'd, he'd, he'd sort of get the fermentations going, sure. and then he had to go back to school. Right. So one day, he, uh, one weekend, he, you know, it was the beginning of fermentation, he put the lid on a little too tight, and he came back, and the whole can had just, like, the entire split. side had split, split, and there was half-fermented wine all, juice all over, all over the place. But that led to him also <laughs> sleeping next to fermentations later when yeah. we started actually making wine. Really? Yeah. Good. Yeah. But Dad actually, I mean, he, he took over kind of the day-to-day farming operations from my granddaddy. Okay. And really kind of threw himself into understanding that side of the business, which is where we started. So when he got out of school, he came up here and started yeah. running it. Because it was a big property. It, yeah. 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 Um, over 400 acres of grapes and yeah, and it was a lot, but he took that on and then went on to, I mean, it was a time when. Well, and also grape- figured out that all grapes weren't the same. That was, <laughs> you know, <laughs> granddaddy wanted to grow grapes cause he'd grown walnuts and right. you know, walnuts basically are walnuts, but they, dad was like, you know, we should probably plant different things in different parts of the vineyard. Um, <laughs> and so it started that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And now, meanwhile, yeah. though, we got to take a step back because we got to talk about your mom and yeah. your dad. So you're, because they met at they met at Stanford, right? I no. think. No. Where they meet? They, they met. met where they meet? They met Napa. Mom was working in the wine growers' office for Ren Harris, for right? Ren Harris. And Dad was going up there, and he was kind of feigning interest in joining, uh, but really he just wanted to <laughs> go talk was, to this he cute was girl, flirting with the yeah. girl. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, smart guy. Exactly. And so, uh, yeah, they actually they met and got married and launched the first vintage of Trefethen all in the same year. Holy cats. But stepping back with your mom, where'd, she, where'd, she, where'd your mom grow up? I don't know this. Mom grew up in the Sacramento Valley in a okay. town called Williams, Williams on a rice farm. 
On a so rice she's farm. She's a mold, you know, so she's a third generation rice farmer. So she's a, you know, yeah. Janet, don't take offense. You're a farm girl. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, no offense taken. No, she would she's hear that prideful. Proudly. Yeah. Of course yeah. she does. Because, yeah, she's ridden horses forever. Exactly. That's she right. grew okay. up riding horses. She'd have to beg her dad to get a new brush or comb for, but I mean, that was her life. She loved she riding. She was ag, yeah. ag, ag. Yeah. Okay. I never knew that. All right. And then she ends up So here. she still grows rice. Still grows rice. Still grows rice. Yep. rice. Okay. Good for her. Yep. So they meet. Your dad... Uh, and so they all get they get married, and this is what year? Nineteen seventy-three. Seventy-three. They get married. Yeah. Move. They're living here, and they start making first wine. crush. Yeah. First yeah. crush. First. Mom commercial, and majored in journalism, harvest. so she started doing all of our all of our all marketing. People, all the, dad right, made all that. of our wine yep. in the early days. So dad was dad was winemaker. Dad was winemaker all right, for well, the first couple well, help, vintages. All right, so where did he learn how to make wine? Because, you know, this, these experiments Out have of gone awry, but, but which I've done the, yeah. same, <laughs> <laughs> done the same thing. It's like, oops, that didn't work. I mean, this was the amazing thing back then is you, it was really, a, the wines of early Napa Valley were a testament to the land because, right. I mean, we didn't know that much about winemaking. They were doing, yeah. There were a few people. There was Andre Talachev. There were, yeah. The Mandavis had been here for a while. We, we, we would call them up with all of our questions, yeah. <laughs> and Mike Kurgage too. But the big one was, is in the early days, it was like, who are we going to sell all those grapes to? Right. That's right. How many? How many acres? Of oh, grapes? Over four hundred acres of grapes. And there were, there was, were less than 25 wineries in the valley. That's what Gene started, your granddad. Yeah. So he's selling grapes, and yeah. there's only 25 wineries. Yeah. So I'm interrupting you. Okay. No, that's fine. No, yeah, it's yeah. crazy. And so that's actually when... Well, um, no, dad was, dad, dad was selling grapes. Granddaddy really like put the estate together, started to re-energize the estate. Right. Because uh, it was a whole mess out there. Yeah. And, uh, it, and dad kind of took over that planting process and then of course selling grapes there's lots of yeah, fun and that stories led to about him that co-founding the Nav Valley Grape Growers Association so that they could have a voice in terms of how much money they would get for their grapes because otherwise you were at the whim you know whatever the, the winery wanted yeah. to give then you the is what you had big. to take yeah because we moved out in 73 and it was existing vineyard, but yeah, dad was selling the grapes to the co-op. Yeah. And they controlled everything, all the pricing, the whole deal. Exactly. So, so grape growers. So, so your dad, and your dad, dad John, helped form the grape together. growers. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it really was to try and be able to, you know, get, get well, good some, money. Have some strength. Yeah. Exactly. Have some strength in terms of as being a grower. Yeah. Back, because people don't realize, you know, how it, you, you just tough to make money growing grapes back then. It's <laughs> really is. tough. It's, it still is. <laughs> it still is. Exactly. It still is. Um... All right. So now what do your grandparents think about your dad and your mom like doing the wine thing? Was well, that, were dad they, were they went on board? to granddaddy the first time and said, I think, you know, everyone really likes our grapes. Like that it's good quality. Right. And dad kind of said, we should start a winery. Granddaddy looks at him and says, I'm too old. You do it. Right. And so that's. So he did it. Yeah. And they're sitting around. This first vintage is now like all fermented and uh, they're they're going all right what are we going to call this thing we got to you know put it in a bottle put a label on it right and mom the newlywed into this trefethan family says why don't we call it trefethan and all the trefethans go that's a terrible idea no one can pronounce our name it's too long <laughs> that's true it's a challenge it's true it's, it's a good point it's memorable it's but it is it is yeah she uh, mom uh, she had the foresight to recognize that really you know the the name on the bottle matters and the mm-hmm. name on the bottle in 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 certain parts of our history is really like that's 
been the ultimate quality guarantee. Yeah. Um, we'll put our name on it. And we'll it, it means everything to us. And it is, there is, it is memorable. And I swear it gets easier to pronounce the more you the enjoy more you the wine. It. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> so when they started the winery, they, they, did they, they, the old building, the beautiful building, yeah. was that, had that been abandoned? Was it being used? That has lots of stories of getting in battles with pigeons and bats and everything else <laughs> that was living in there. So he had to clean it out and clean it up so he could make wine in there. And the first time mom saw it, she said, oh, John, what a great building. Can I keep my horses here? Of course, of course she did. <laughs> wow. Said, no, I've got another idea. But yeah, that must so have been so cool. Yeah, no, because but it was. It's been abandoned, are, abandoned for years and years and years. Well, it's one of those buildings that from the outside you'd be like, oh, okay, it's kind of a funny color. It yeah. looks like a big barn. But when you go inside and you see all of this Douglas fir and redwood yeah. and how it was constructed, it's it just has this warmth too and this aroma of wine being made there for 133 years. You know, that's, it's really that's special. That's a good question. The yeah. color of the building has it yeah. always been that color. Since we've had it, yes, it's a great color. We kind yeah, of one I of the think... theories is that maybe it was red and faded yeah. to that color, but that's the color it was when we got it, and we kept it that way. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Kind of jealous. That's okay. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Speaking of grapes and wines, the I, my understanding is the first big winner was Chardonnay for you guys, and I think still is. Are you, are you guys kind of known for Chardonnay for the most part? You think uh, Chardonnay and Cabernet and Cabernet, yeah. right? But um, early on, was Chardonnay was the Chardonnay was, was yes. the was the grape we built our brand on? Yeah. And I was on a panel recently. I learned that just how rare Chardonnay was when we first planted it. It yeah. was, I mean, grape sort of, you know, he had uh, wine had forever been sold on the basis of place. And then in California, some clever marketers started using those place names to sell wine that had nothing to do with that place. Right. And so the fine winemakers started putting the variety of, of wine grape on the label, but Chardonnay was basically unheard of mm -hmm. outside of Burgundy and Champagne. And when granddaddy planted our vineyard, I mean, that was a, a massive increase in the amount of the Chardonnay grape right. in the Napa Valley. And it we was also a had big a good relationship with Domaine Chandon, which we, yep. drove some of why we had a lot of Chardonnay <laughs> and Pinot on the property. Exactly. That was our first real great grape client. And we still grow grapes for sparkling wine yeah. producers today. Good. Um, and we love our bubbles. Um, oh, the bubbles are great because they yeah. pick early, man. We love yeah, <laughs> yeah. growers. We love, we love that. Exactly. Oh, but you've got a great spot for, I mean, because People always talk about you know the the coast and Carneros cool weather for Chardonnay and Pinot, but right. and you guys aren't there. But you're South Napa and you're over there on the highway because I'm I'm here in Stagsleaf. I'm not that far from you guys, a couple yeah. miles. But, but I'm you're over up here out of the fog. A I'm little out bit. of the fog. The valley's I'm, a little mm -hmm. bit more narrow it's here. A little, I'm a little warmer. <clears throat> but you guys have that straight shot with you know the fog and the breezes coming straight up in the, the afternoon. Yeah. yeah, straight to the bay. We'll have um, you know up to 50 degree temperature swings between day and night. Wow. And we'll get that fog that comes and sits over the vineyard and keeps it nice and cool in the morning. 
and then it'll burn off around noon and get that nice intense heat then to ripen the Bordeaux varieties. But because of those like cooler nights, that's the biggest reason of why we can grow Chardonnay, Pinot, Riesling, yeah. and even why even our red wines have that bright acidity to them is because those grapes get that break at night, really get to maintain that acidity, that brightness, and then they get the heat during the day to develop flavor. No, it's a good spot. Yeah. It's yeah. a pretty cool place. We and it's love really it. cool. It's... I mean, it's it allows us to grow nine different varieties on one property. Nine different varieties. Yeah. Yeah. You say you're growing Riesling. Yep. They grew Rieslings back in the 800, 1800s mm-hmm. there, too. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Riesling was, well, we, so we started with Chardonnay in 73. Right. And then in 74, we started making our dry Riesling and our Cabernet. Got it. And we've been making those three ever since. Yeah. And and Chardonnay was the, the surprise, I guess. It was, so we were, I mean, we were really, my grandparents and parents were crazy <laughs> to be here doing what they were doing back in that time it was uh i mean the the valley was not a place for wine it was general agriculture there was more of other things than there were of grapes planted um and you know my grandfather when he started pulling out there were some orchards and he started pulling those out to plant grapevines everyone thought he was crazy crazy because there's no money in grapes and no no there's not. And dad started, mom and dad started making wine and clearly lunacy ran in the family because <laughs> well, who in America was drinking wine at that well, time? Well, I'll tell you who, <laughs> yeah. because my father moved us out in 73 from Chicago, yeah. right when your folks started mm-hmm. making wine. And the reason he did it was because he kept reading these research reports saying, there's a coming wine boom in California. It's amazing. That's, I heard you say that he on some other podcast. Where was he getting his information? No, I don't know because <laughs> his, job, his job at this other company was to do research. Like what's the new Twitter? What's the new whatever? Yeah. And so he kept coming across this pending wine boom. And yeah. he was a bourbon and beer guy. Mm-hmm. And he came out and bought this ranch, not because he wanted to make wine, because as an investment. Right. How many other stocks. people did that though? Oh, he must again, have been. So all his neighbors in Chicago, yeah. my parents, you're crazy. Yeah, absolutely. The shapers are yeah. nuts. The shapers are loony. What are <laughs> yeah. they doing? Yeah. It's like they got a you know, covered wagon and they're moving out to Napa Valley. It's like, and where is that? <laughs> no, it's, I mean, so your parents and yeah. grandparents and my parents, yeah. they're not crazy at all. I mean, crazy they, crazy yeah, like a fox, the, you know? The, those, yeah, no, that, that, and something that I think defines, you know, both of our, companies now is just that pioneering mindset that like they were first movers and there was something in their character that they wanted to come out Mm -hmm. and try something that like anybody who knew anything about wine knew that fine wine did not come from California. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, you know, I was 17, and, but I was totally ignorant. That's I had no idea. That's a big change just, for a 17-year-old. Yeah, yeah, but it was okay. But I had no idea that there was, there, this wasn't yeah, really Chicago a viable to, business. It's yeah. like I'm Sleepy going with mom Napa. and dad. Yeah. You know, off we go. Yeah. It was fun. Um, so you're, go ahead. Yeah, so we're, we're, we start making Chardonnay, yeah, right. and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm eventually getting to it. Haley's like, come on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there were there were a few tastings in the 70s that sort of started to change everyone's opinion of this valley. Okay. And the first was, uh, of course, now what we call the Judgment of Paris, and that was uh, actually an Oaknoll District Chardonnay okay. from Montalena. And then, and that really set the stage 
for another tasting because it wasn't very well received in France. Mm -hmm. Stephen, who put it together, was banned from the French wine tasting circuit for a year. And the French like tried their best. Stephen Spurrier, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, because he was a French wine merchant, French wine educator. He was important in the business. And they they essentially excommunicated him for a year. You know, go sit in the corner. Think about what you've done. (laughs) Um, But Le Figaro wrote the tasting up as laughable and Le Monde wrote it up as not to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I guess the question had been called. And so in 1979, the French put together the largest wine tasting or one of the largest the world had ever seen. Um, they tasted wines from 33 countries and they called it the Wine Olympics. And when the results were revealed, the uh, it was a blind tasting, of course. At the end of the day, Trefeth and Chardonnay was declared the best Chardonnay in the world. Oh, man. 1979? Yep. Wow. And no one was more surprised than our parents. (laughs) (laughs) And your your dad was the winemaker. Dad and David Whitehouse. Oh, yeah, David. Yeah, David. First vintage together. David came on board. Yeah, 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 that's right. Exactly. But that was, I mean, mom at this point was selling every single bottle of wine. She'd go across the country, she met you, and then she sold you wine. Mm -hmm. She She made sure you had refrigeration. (laughs) (laughs) She had her book and every place that had Trefethen, you know, was down in this book. So, you know, when they were telling her that, you know, the wine had just won, she's like, no, that's not possible. I know where every single bottle is. She's just like, she (laughs) refused to believe it. We don't have anyone in France. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, she was telling all of these journalists that they were mistaken. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it really, I think it was, yeah, it was, I mean, it was, move, news moved more slowly back then as it, well. Yes, it did. Yeah. So it was this weird, like, slow build. And finally, we're, I think they said, well, I guess it happened. And, and people were reading the articles and started buying the wine. So we're like, great. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, but I mean, the, the French were so outraged. There's actually a rematch. Yeah. So oh, they Robert, did again. So the, the wine Olympics were organized by Go Emio, um, the restaurant guide. Mm-hmm. At the time, they were pretty much as big as the Michelin guide. And as you can imagine, there were some rather disgruntled wine producers in Burgundy. Mm-hmm. And uh, Robert Drouin wrote a letter to Henri Go and Christian Mio, um, which we have framed in our in tasting table. room. Um, and he expresses his great disappointment with the <laughs> results of the Wine Olympics and offered to essentially host a rematch. So the following year, they took over the big Burgundy auction at the Ospices Bone, or mm-hmm. for part of it, and they retasted all the top finishers from the year before. All the Grand Crus from Drawn were included in this tasting. The Drawns like handpicked the judges, and they they wanted to make sure that you know this yeah. was run right, run properly, right. Um, and uh, we won again. You won again. <laughs> again. So yeah. Good. And my parents didn't know about the rematch either. They didn't know. <laughs> no, no. This was all a surprise. The, both times. They that's, called us up and, and mom, I think, was a little more prepared the second time because it already great. happened yeah. once. But it was, the response was more like, wait, they did it again? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think our parents thought someone was playing a practical joke on them because oh, yeah. that's the kind of community Napa was, you know, that wouldn't have been unheard of. And those were the type of friends <laughs> dad had. Yeah. That's true. That's true. That's fantastic. So that just gets it, that gets it going. Yeah. Because, that you really know, launched that got us. it going. And that, you know, those, those tastings, they just, they brought attention. Yeah. to the Napa Valley yeah. and all of the 
great to wines California, and California you know, and that and United States could produce good right. wine. This whole I, I mean, yeah, because the French basically had a monopoly on fine wine up until then, and we shattered the myth that you could only right. We Napa shattered the myth that you could only make great wine in France, and I, it opened the doors for so many other great winemaking regions yeah. across the world and I just love the serendipity of this like we were we just were there at the right time and it was a complete good timing. surprise good timing yeah so speaking of timing so Lorenzo you show up in 83 I Haley do. you show up in 86 exactly and I hear stories about your dad who's a pilot like <laughs> using your driveway as his landing place and takeoff runway. yeah well why not you know, I mean, it's a nice, like, half-mile strip right there. This it's is very totally true. true. It's totally true. Totally true. He kept his airplane <laughs> on the property. <laughs> I just love he this painted, thing. Yeah. Uh, He painted a white stripe across the driveway, and he knew that if a car was past that line, he could go ahead and come in for a landing, and he wouldn't hit the car. But if He would the, actually land when their cars, like, uh, on, so the cars kind of, would kind of see this plane. We weren't that busy, but, you know, just to make sure. Nobody came to Napa. That's <laughs> true. Still kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It was also on the uh, on takeoff because you can't see around the corner of the entrance to the driveway, and you always take off into the wind, and the right. wind's always blowing up valley. So right. he's taken off towards the entrance of the driveway. If he was not yet to that line, and someone turned in, he'd he'd be the good host. He'd throttle down. He'd turn around. You know, <laughs> come on in. Yeah. But, but if, if he was past, past that line, line, he was past the point of no return. So he's going up. He's going. And, and here a comes few, a car. Yeah. I oh. guess a few visitors, early visitors to Trefethen got a, a free and immediate vineyard tour. Oh man. <laughs> ah, turn yeah, they, they turn off the road. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that. The... As little kids, do you guys ever remember that flying with your dad? Flying with dad, oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Landing but... on the driveway, no. No. I think that maybe was before <laughs> was we really remember. Our, I was almost born in a plane. I was uh, I was two weeks late. And so you're, yeah, you're not supposed to fly. Well, I, was, was a, I was comfortable. Uh, um, and uh, <laughs> wait, doctors say you're not supposed to fly, or was you just it, take the doctor well, with you? You take the doctor with you, and Dad did some light acrobatics to kind of encourage me to. Oh, you! Hey, me. come on out, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. A, there was and a doctor in the plane. Still, no. I don't know. No, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm uh, no, I think they were up with the with their OB. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Lauren was, uh, he was kind of so late that he was just on time, which yeah. is a knack he has. So he was born on 317, <laughs> March 17th, which is St. Patrick's Day, at 317 a.m. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Doubly lucky. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. So you guys growing up in Napa. So 83, 86, I'd started here as winemaker in 83. I remember from my point of view, which was just kind of just one directional because I'd just gotten married and having kids. But so you guys growing up, I mean, you're living, where are you living? Living on the ranch. Yep. Living on the ranch. We go to the winery every day after school. And yeah. then the our parents' house is actually up at our Hillspring Vineyard, which is just like two or three miles from the main ranch, from okay. the winery. Um, and that's really where we grew up. I mean, we played outside all the time. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, Hillspring. Or inside in the cellar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Climbing around on barrels, playing hide and seek. Yeah, but mom instilled her love of horses. So we grew up riding horses. Okay. So we'd ride horses through the vineyard. We kept busy and had a blast. You weren't bored. No, not no, at all. No. Not at all. Busy. Yeah. Right. Going. This family does not get bored. Yeah. There's always something to do. <laughs> and so, Lorenzo, you were. 
you were just in Siena and then yep. on to Stanford and any notable activities or crazy <laughs> things in high school or college? Oh, man. Besides many. those stories I've heard about <laughs> you and my nephew, but we won't go there. <laughs> uh, there was a teacher at Justin Siena, Mr. O'Connor, Mr. O, who I really <laughs> latched on to. Um, and I actually, I just had dinner at his house last night. Um, oh, right. They get the sort of former students and colleagues together every Wednesday night for dinner. It's a really cool little That's community fun. thing that they do. Um, but he was a science teacher and uh, I love biology. I loved environmental science, which he taught. Okay. And so I went to school thinking I was gonna um, do biology, uh, went to college and I went, you know, something like 30% of the incoming class at Stanford is, declares pre-med. Okay. And so they do their best to weed them out with chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, we <clears throat> took a year of chemistry to get into biology, just to, that was the prereq. And I think the mean on the final of organic chemistry was like 30. Yeah. So even the guys right. who aced the test thought they'd just gotten rocked. Um, and that was, uh, I kind of left a bad taste in my mouth with chemistry. <laughs> but, you said, you always said it was all very geared towards pre-med sure, too. And so is. not, yeah. like, not what attracted you yeah. into no, that to begin no. with. And yeah. then I yeah, go through all this, get to biology and it's the exact same thing that we learned. It's the same syllabus as high school. Right. And the professor walks in, he does one of these things like, look to your right, look to your left. One of you will not be here by the end of this course. Oh, wow. And I stood up and walked out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, while I was there, I I started to get into wine. Oh, good. All right. Um, I mean, we'd always enjoyed, the wine was always on the table. Well, yeah, you grew up with it big yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. Everybody was, you know, drinking beer in college, and I didn't quite have a taste for it. Yeah. I remember we were at a, a formal dinner, and... Uh, as freshmen and everyone was drinking a certain $2 bottle of wine. Uh, and we, I just, after the first bottle, I was like, man, I can't do this anymore. And I went back up to a room. I had like a, a dresser drawer full of the, the family product I've got and it. brought it, brought it down <laughs> instantly became the most popular table. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I would then, um, I went on to take over a one-unit pass-fail course, which was a wine-tasting course, which was basically pre-game for pub, pub night. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, uh, yeah, taught. I became Professor Trefethen and oh, um, you taught it. Taught a uh, a couple quarters, yeah, one year of the wine-tasting course at Stanford. Got got them to buy, you know, Riedel glassware. We got them a industry discount, and then um, had to like figure out how to look like I knew what I was talking about in front of all of my friends. So learned a lot teaching, yeah. like preparing to teach that, mm -hmm. that, and it was, it was really cool to just see how wine brought everybody together. Um, yeah. and that was, yeah, sort of my first taste of the industry. So you, I yeah. Guess. So got it. All right. So that's, so we got you going on that path. And then mm -hmm. meanwhile, you're, you're doing Napa high school or yeah, I went Justin to Justin. Sienna. I Justin went to Justin Siena and then went to Santa Clara. So the joke was that I got 15 minutes farther away from home than my brother. <laughs> um, but I figured out how to travel in college. And so I spent time in Baja, in Costa Rica, and in Argentina. 
Um, and cool. Was that, that was, was that far schools and internships? And yeah, things? Cool. yeah, but nothing related to wine. Okay, actually, All right. but it was kind of when I realized that I wanted to come back into the business. Okay, it was when I was in Argentina because you couldn't just pick up the phone and call home. And this was, I mean, I. In college, I was two hours away from home. I could always come home. I could sure. always call home. It wasn't a big deal. And so, you know, in Argentina, email, set up a time, you know, get everybody on the phone. Right. Skype and didn't work very it's well. It's not just like, how's mom, dad, and my brother? It was what's going on at the winery. This is the first time I'd ever been away during harvest. Like, I'd always been home for harvest. Okay. All right. And so it was like, well, how's this person? How's this person? Like, what's going on in the vineyard? Like, how's the, you know, it was all of this. And that's when I realized how big of a part of my life this was. And, and I always still wanted you. it you're, to be. You're just always like, how, how's everyone doing? You know, like day to day, like you're keeping everyone together at the winery. Yeah. And so, so that's when I realized it was a win, not an if. Interesting. Yeah. So, that's, so both you guys kind of like from early on, it's like the wine things. It was, in, in, did, so the genius you know. of my parents, I think, was they never pushed us into it. Okay, But it always, always took us everywhere. I mean, they took us yeah. to winemaker dinners. They took us on the road. We were in the <laughs> cellar with dad. Like, you know, summer jobs were at the winery. I washed glasses in the tasting room, which was funny because I couldn't pour wine. But if someone ever got a hard question, they'd come and get me. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we, get, we started giving tours when we were probably 11 or 12. Um, oh, so you've been, yeah. So yeah. You might have seen us around in the early days. Mom just took us to her business meetings in yeah. the crib, and she'd have a yeah. little I do sweet remember, reserve I do remember from, that. Yeah. Yeah, it's like from you know, uh, Robert Mondavi, yeah. and she would, you know, if we got a little fussy, she'd rub something on, on our gums, guns. and we'd go right to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of like it wasn't like if you for each of you, it wasn't if you're going to come back, it's like kind of when. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was I think, well, maybe you, I, I, less of that. I, I yeah. definitely had to go away yeah. to come back Where'd and, you go? and gain some perspective. Yeah, just a few hours away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. Um, but it's, I mean, I remember coming back for Thanksgiving and just, I mean, Stanford's a beautiful place, but coming back here and being like, man, it's nice here. Yeah. It's just a Glorious oh, well, Thanksgiving, spot. too, is like right after the first yeah. couple of rains and you have all of that new growth in the hills and everything is so vibrant and green. That's beautiful. Yeah. And it just Plus feels really good. Plus all the fall colors. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. You're here. Yeah. And then fast forward. No, it, was, it, was a, it was a long seduction. <laughs> all right. Well, speak, all right. Well, this I need to know if this, this helped seduce you because 1997... Yep. You come out with a new wine, mm-hmm. which I didn't know until I did some research, because <laughs> I always said, Trevetha makes this wine called Halo. Well, that's kind of a cool name. It's a ca- really good Cabernet. It's cool. Halo. It's, I like yeah. it. Yeah. Well, it's an honor of you two. Yes. Haley, I got to go first, Haley and even Lorenzo. though I'm younger. Yeah. I always thought um, it should be Loha. Loha. But it, it yeah. comes from... It comes I love from it. Our, yeah. That's great. Well, no, how, how cool are your folks to do that for you guys? I think it was another one of those little subtle things of, you know, without directly saying, are you going to come back? It was like, well, there's a wine named after you. Oh, and yeah. also, it's, a, it's our best wine. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, no no it was, pressure. I mean, we no pressure. School, it was like both like flattering and super awkward at yeah. the same time. It still oh, is. Yeah. People always want yeah. us to talk about Halo. Especially, especially in high school. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah. And you're like, like, 
thanks for naming the thing I can't drink after me. <laughs> well, like, we've got, you know, we've got Relentless named in honor of Elias. Yeah. It's yeah. like, you know, we're, he and I are tasting with a couple of people and it's like, comes time to taste Relentless. Someone said, what's the story? Elias yeah. just rolls his eyes yeah, and I'm says, talking, you know, I'm, I'm not, not talking about it. this. Yeah. And so, so I have to tell the story. I think all of us, it's kind of, I think that speaks to our family is that I'm not, I don't really like talking about myself. No, so like talking no, it's, about it's, Halo it's is super awkward. Um, and so to that point, Lauren and I actually just... We turned the tables on mom and dad. Uh, oh, you, okay, what, uh, you're... you're uh, we're, so we got we okay, Lorenzo, yeah. Lorenzo is pulling yeah. a bottle out. Yeah, yeah, we wanted to this, share this oh, with this you. Oh, this is cool. Especially What's um, this? given uh, your history with a grape called Merlot. Uh, so we, um, we spent like a year and a half putting this together. The idea sort of germinated. And um, over a long period of time, but we were actively working on this for like a year and a half. Okay. And we somehow kept it secret from mom and dad. Yeah. So oh, wow. we, we, review, we, we sort of revealed this at the company harvest party last year. And we just released it at the winery as I was a about finished to say, wine. One of my questions later is what's new? We're, we're, yeah, we're, so we're finding out. Okay. Uh, September of this year. Is the first vintage of the cowgirl and the pilot. Oh. <laughs> We've talked a little bit about oh. our parents. Oh my Mom gosh. the cowgirl and dad the pilot. You guys look oh Jesus, there's the plane. Yeah. All right. So I'm looking at a bottle. Um we're gonna somehow get a photo of this yeah. and, and get this up on on the Shaper site or somewhere where we promote this thing. It's called the Cowgirl and the Pilot. It's kind of a vineyard scene with mountains in the distance, and the foreground is this gal on a horse galloping yeah and, and her, her dust and is her creating dust, the vineyard her dust is creating the vineyard thank you lorenzo yeah. and then in the distance a little farther back on the right is an airplane that's either taking off or about to land yeah which is Ch maybe chasing behind Chas yeah chasing yeah. <laughs> i i get that the cowgirl and the pilot and how setting, cool and setting the width of the vine rows so you kept yeah. it look at you got him back we got him back. Oh, this we is so back. cool and it's just being released like right now yeah, uh, yeah like two month and a half ago my, just yeah. released. It's called the Cowgirl and the Pilot, and it's a 2016. It's Merlot. It's 100% Merlot. 100% Merlot. Merlot. It's from our Oak best Knoll. Merlot. It's your best Merlot. Yep. Which is a it's a it's a good spot to grow Merlot. Oh right yeah. There. It really is. That oh my gosh, it's awesome. cool. Yeah. Are you gonna oh, let me keep this? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Yay! Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I love it. I love the label. And it's. I mean, so this was uh, the 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 idea for the package sort of germinated between the two of us, and we got really excited. The and name started was easy. Just, the name was, was super so easy. easy. Yeah. The and the artwork was really. I love the way that the artist interpreted. Uh, the story of Trefethen, and he heard this story about Janet and John Trefethen building this place, <laughs> mm -hmm. and so the cowgirl and the pilot on the label are literally building the landscape. That's a great name. It's just really cool. Thank Congratulations. you. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Cool. I mean, it just reflects. I mean, our parents. That's the other thing. Like, as much as sure, we were at we were at their work every day right. after mm -hmm. school, and we knew a lot about what they did. They also have always had fun. You know, mom still rides competitively. She shows on a national level. Wow. Um, and, you know, dad's still flying, riding motorcycles, you know, occasionally does, racing yeah, he, cars. Yeah, he is the motor. Yeah, exactly. yeah, that's right. I read about that. Um, and so they just have this love and passion for, for life and enjoyment, you know, and cool. that it just fits so well into into the winery and that we get to have a little bit of fun there, too. Once well, in a while. well, well done. That's gorgeous. Thank you. So. Things are rolling along, shifting gears here yeah. a little yeah. bit. But this is an important Going story. Going back okay. to the beginning, yeah. <laughs> August 2014. Yes. Ooh. 
here in Napa, we're all gearing up for harvest. 3 a.m., big earthquake hits Napa, 6.0. I was in St. Helena in bed. I literally got, which was 25 miles away, yeah. I was thrown out of bed. You know, I'm running to, I had two little babies at the time, run to see if they were mm. The house was shaking. Yeah. You guys were right in the thick of it. Yep. Talk to me. Where were you? What happened? Yeah. I mean, it was. I was I was at home and I live just east of downtown Napa and luckily my neighborhood is on rock and so my house was just fine which was good because there was plenty else to keep me busy <laughs> um, and you know between calling my mom because um, at this point my dad and my brother are out of town and so I'm calling my mom on the way to the winery and up to her house to make sure that everything's okay. Um, and at, at three in the morning, at three in the morning. morning right. Yeah. And it was amazing. I mean, driving, all the lights are out, right. you know, the traffic lights and everything like that. And yet everyone understood that if you were on the road at, right then you had somewhere important to be. Right. And so everyone was so courteous and safe. And it was, um, even just that drive in was, was really telling of what was to come for this community. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, mom and I, um, connect we find each other and make it down to down to the winery um and it was one of the most special things there's uh four people there Hmm. four of our employees there um with us and so we're all standing there out on the crush pad and there's a little bit of moonlight and so it's just enough to kind of tell that things are not right right um and you can tell that the building is leaning uh so this is the and then as the sun rose we got even even better look and so the winery the eshkel building built in 1886 was leaning four feet to the west so this three-story building is leaning way over um i remember driving on the highway seeing it going oh man yeah so that um that day kind of changed my life and my trajectory at the company for sure (laughs) um but i think it probably was incredibly painful for my brother and my dad um trying to get home and not being able to yeah no i mean we were just it was uh it obviously wasn't as bad as being here but it was almost worse it's almost worse it was just this feeling of powerlessness and we were um you know and where were you lorenzo we were dad and i were in uh north carolina okay we were trying everything we could to get on you know the first flight home which was not soon enough right and getting these terrifying photos and i mean i don't think we told you a little bit about mom's history and she's a tough like farm girl cow girl i've never heard her hysterical until that Hmm. that call that day and it was it was like okay this this is serious so we need to to get home um and it was kind of amazing there's also there's a group that just you never know how you're going to react in something like that and Mm -hmm. i think just because there was so much kind of there was this chaos you know there were a group of us that just really focused on okay one thing at a time right? This is the beginning of harvest. How do we do this? How do we make sure everybody's safe? How do we make sure like, and go through and we may sat down and made a list. We're like, all right, we have employees that need to come to work that need a job. Right. Um, we're not going to have a tasting room. That was clear. You know, we're at the very beginning of harvest. How do we still make our wine here? Yeah. Right. We've been estate grown, produced, bottled. Everything has happened on that property since we began. And so while, while everyone was great, they're like, hey, if, if you need to make your wine, we'll make room. Like, you can make it at our place. And there's such generous offers. But for us, we're like, well, it, that's not going to feel right. 
we got to make it here. You did it there. Yeah. And yeah. so five, four, five days later, we were, we'd resumed harvest. We were picking grapes and crushing in hard hats and safety vests. Yeah, well, we had people <laughs> stationed around the building that was leaning over with um, air horns. So you were, it. were you working in the building? No, because we were working we, around the, it. You were working the, around the crush it. Pad yeah. basically it. in the it's shade the, of that building. We got a crane basically the next day. Um, it was great. We were doing some just some minor work on a catwalk, right? And called them up. Said, "Hey, can you bring a few more guys and a little bit more equipment?" And so they came out, and we moved our entire kind of like crush operation around the yeah. corner a little bit farther away from the building so we'd be safer. A safer. And then we started working on the shoring system that would really kind of just keep the building from moving anymore, keep it in place and keep it safe so that we could get through that year's harvest. Which and in that's and of itself did. was an I for, amazing you know, engineering feat. I didn't even feat. think mm-hmm. about that because you're right in the middle of harvest, for yeah. goodness sakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, would, I mean, We've done one pick? Yeah, non-harvest would have been cha- you know, tra- traumatic enough yeah. but you've got harvest going on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh, it, but I mean, it, amazing teamwork, like yeah. seeing the team come together around yeah. all of that. It's one of the most bonding things that you can like. It, it was incredible. It really like just highlighted how strong the company was. Mm. Um, and that that really was I mean, it was the most and also the community like food started showing up from all the, like nobody <laughs> called and was like, do you need they any, just like they up. just showed up with like, here's some lunch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. it was just this outpouring of support that was amazing. That kept, that kept us going really. Well, yeah. And I remember because, because it's such a gorgeous building and it's so historic. It, yeah. You know, it's, it got, well, it got, it got on, it got on every yeah. CNN, right? It yeah. was like, I, there's I no hiding it. Other people had damage. <laughs> that, there's that, no hiding a building know, leaning that, over four feet. Was that like kind of heartbreaking or was it it was hard it was hard like, in a time to deal with yeah. some press people when all i wanted to do was take care of what was actually going on oh they're showing up oh yeah oh no uh, people oh, like giant yeah. yeah we yeah we had someone posted at the gate because people would just drive in like and people you know sure. people would just you. like they'd want to walk straight up to it i'm like this is a building that is about to like fall over more if there's an aftershock and, <laughs> and you know yeah get so. out of the way stupid yeah <laughs> No, yeah, they're like, that's... can we go inside? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's tough. Yeah, because you guys are dealing with so much anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, Haley and uh, our, I mean, he was just promoted CEO. Yeah. Uh, John Rule. Right. Really stepped up, um, and uh, I mean, Haley took over the entire process of putting putting the building back together. Um, and you know, I don't, had you ever seen a blueprint? No, <laughs> never looked at building Look plans at you. before. Yeah, I, yeah. Heard, I remember you telling me this, yeah. you, this was your project. Yep. So well, I had cat. an amazing team, you know, and they helped so much, but yeah, the team that we put together was fun. Actually the structural engineer that we ended up working with, his dad had worked on the building in the eighties and he ended up undoing That's some right. of his dad's work, but it was really fun. And we didn't realize that till after we'd hired him. I'm going to ask you a terrible question. Sure. I, th- I know the answer. Did you ever think of saying, hey, for the heck with it, we can't save this thing, we got to tear it down? We sat down and we said we need to look at everything. Yeah. You know, because we, we didn't okay. know if this building was even savable at this point. Right. We hadn't had an engineer out to kind of tell us that. And mm-hmm. so we did. Yeah. We sat down. And a, yeah. and a budget for the repair was yeah. not very not forthcoming. Mm-hmm. It was like, <laughs> well, yeah, not, not only do we not have it, like everyone was like, we don't know how much this is going to cost. Like, no one's ever done anything like, like this before. That. Yeah. 
But then after, from what, you know, our discussion earlier about the, his, the history of, of it, it's the like, I'm going, oh my gosh, off. you can't this do it. This was home, you know? Yeah. And I mean, yeah. also I think that, that it was emotional. the support from the mm-hmm. community too, we realized this building's been standing here, not just for us, but for everybody who drives up and down Napa. You know, it, it, it's been standing no, it's, there for longer than any a, of us have been alive. It's a and, landmark. Yeah. yeah. Big time. And so, yeah. you know, we kind of, it, it did come down to a little bit of an emotional decision, you know, that if it was that, if it was possible, we were going to save that building. Well, you did it. Yeah. It took, what, yeah. two, three years? About two years. Yeah, a little less than two years. Yeah. And, you know, on behalf of the <laughs> Napa Valley and all our people who visit here, thank you. Yeah. Because it's, um, it's, it's a precious building. I remember the day it they got it, you know, before we were really rebuilding it. So we just, the first uh, challenge, right. quite a challenge, was just get it upright. Yeah. And I remember that day that the building got upright and it looked the way that it had before. Um, I just, I this weight that I didn't know I was carrying, like, lifted. And it was, I just took, like, the first real breath, I think, that yeah. I'd had since the earthquake. That's yeah, nice. no, it was funny. It was like, I... I didn't cry about all of this no, for it was like, get like to work. a year later or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but it was, I mean, it was, yeah, it was amazing for, uh, you know, not something we would ever wish to repeat, but no, it certainly made us stronger and gave us some really great opportunities definitely. to make some improvements. I yeah. I agree with you. You know, yeah. looking, planned, looking back, some of those tough things we've gone through here, it's like at the time, it's like, oh man. How come we got dealt this hand? Yeah, right. Dad always talks but, about phylloxera. But years later... The second coming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but phylloxera go, gave us a chance to, a, you know, we knew our soils better. We knew where we knew yeah. more about wine. We knew more about grape growing. So you knew what should be planted where. And then you'd actually, you make the best of whatever you get, right? Yeah. yeah. And you guys no, are... It was, you guys it was are, a catalyst for a lot of You guys are so things. young, you got yeah. a lot more to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I say that with... You with, do, with, too. I do, too. Yeah. Um, so that was 17. We got it restored, reopened, and then 18 was a big year. What happened in 18? That was... Anniversary was that? Oh, our fiftieth anniversary. Yeah, we both were like, huh? It's, yeah. only, it's only a year ago. Oh, yeah. Come on, another year went by. Yeah, yeah. Just, you guys stick with yeah. me. I'll take no. you through this whole yeah, thing. Yeah. I got, I got. Thank you, Doug. <laughs> oh man. So that was well, well, anniversaries. You know. Yeah, so that, that was good. a big one. No, that was really fun. Was I think my brother one. played an even even bigger role. I yeah. was at the winery more, but he was out on the road. Judging God. by my airline status, yeah. I traveled more last year than I ever have before, and we're you know you know the drill. You're you're yeah. out on the road all yeah. the time, so. But it was Mom great were, fun because we went yeah. into the cellar and we pulled out Always a lot of out old wines. vintages, Good. and to be able to share those with people is it's really special. I mean, especially old Chardonnay because people don't think Chardonnay can age, right. and so you pull out a 20, 25 year old Chardonnay, and it's gorgeous. It still has so much life and vibrancy to it, and people are like, I maybe would think it's five years old, yeah. you know. So, um, and we've got. I mean, my. Our folks had the foresight to save mm-hmm. a lot of what they of every wine they ever made. Um, so we have a full library, and we've really embraced the throwback Thursday meme. So every Thursday we're opening something for from yeah. the cellar. Still to today, pe- we, every to Thursday taste. we open up a large format old wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's mm-hmm. good. Ah, don't tell my crew here though. Yeah. <laughs> um, so these days it's you and you two, mom and dad. Who's who's doing what? How's it? What's going on these days? Yeah. Duties wise, who's in charge or who's not in charge? Oh well, man, I think there's still enough work for all of us. Oh, there's plenty. <laughs> we should probably back up though because before we 
came back, or actually, as we were coming back, Dad right. hired a guy. No, named, I was in high school. You were, yeah, all right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Dad hired a guy named John Rule uh, in the vineyard to take over our uh, uh, viticulture, okay. and he has just uh, worked his way up through every part of the company and mm-hmm. the the impact that he's had on um, the wines that we make and the way the vineyard works and the team that he's built is just amazing. And so John's our CEO today. Great. And the fact that our viticulturalist is, you know, who started as a viticulturalist mm-hmm. is our CEO should tell you something about how we run cool. this place. I was his first vineyard intern and dad also took me to his, uh, his final interview, which we had at the Red Hen. That was good. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, so John's been there over 20 years, probably. Yeah. Uh, this is his 15th. 15th year. 15th year. Just, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so John has the most difficult job at the winery, which is trying to manage four trefethens. <laughs> so he manages the four of you. Yeah, he's, yeah. I mean, that's it's an impossible task, I think. But uh, Haley and I are, are working um, sort of uh, under his guidance okay. and mentorship. Got it. Which turns out to work a lot better than working for your parents. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yep. Yep. Which we kind of tried. Um, (laughs) and, uh, mom and dad are still involved, but much more as ambassadors and, uh, uh, advisors. John is running the day to day and Haley and I are bouncing around from one special project to the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm a little more operations kind of based and Lorenzo's a little bit more. Yeah. There's also a real like complementariness. That's not a word. Um, been in our personalities and I tend to sort of bring a crazy idea back and say, Hey, what if we do this? And Haley's like, well, here's how it's actually going to work. (laughs) (laughs) So she, she keeps us grounded. So we're kind of like me to think bigger. So it works really well. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the, it's the gas on gas off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No, it it does work well that way. Um, We need both. Right. Otherwise Um, you're not going to go anywhere. I, I, I'm with you. I think, you know, I've, I've, up to today, I've seen you guys not that often separately, but never together. I got to tell you, sitting here, it's like this just feels really good. I mean, I'm being, you know, this is neat. And, and bravo, and bravo to your together. folks for getting John into yeah. his position. And yeah, I mean, for you guys to be, you know, you know, working side by side with your parents and trying to figure that out, you know, having that one step between is brilliant. Yeah, it's really brilliant. Because, uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, no, but and we just the the team uh, that that has. I mean, we have crazy tenure. Yeah, um, the the, well, that pe- the folks that have been around for you know multiple decades and. Yeah, in some cases, is, multiple generations. You know, in in the seventies and eighties, we weren't great about putting pipes down on you know where pipes were down on a map. Right? Yeah. The old, the old as-built thing? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. We weren't really yeah. great at that. Um, but the great part is, is we, you know, Paulino still works for us. So if we have a question about where something is, you just go ask Paulino because he put it in. It's like right. over there. It's like yeah. 10, yeah. 10 feet from that tree. Yeah. yeah exactly. The problem is when they cut the tree down, it's like, oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah. Where are we going now? I've, I've had that one. I've got old as-built. It's like, you know, it's 20 feet from this big boulder. Yeah. Well, and then all of a sudden we redo the finger mm-hmm. and the boulder's gone. It's like, oh, no. Yep. Where'd it go? Yep. All right. So, what? Speaking of projects, because I think you're in charge. You, you don't. You don't. You don't just grow grapes. 
Aren't you growing like a thousand things? We are. We grow yeah. a what few other things. What are you growing? Well, talk to a, me. I didn't a, know this. Yeah, we have a garden on property as well. And that started um, like really formally in 2008, I think. But it's a, a garden we call Luerta. Okay. And everything that's grown there pretty much goes back to the employees. Oh, and that's cool. so, yeah. And so, you know, during summer, well, what this year, we harvested about a thousand pounds of tomatoes alone in one week. A thousand pounds yeah, of tomatoes in one, one week. How big is this garden? Like um, acres? No, 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 it's almost an acre. It's not quite an acre, that's but still it's big. We, the, we, the productivity of a tomato plant is, I ins- know. It's, it's uh, like it's, you're it's looking at your grapevines coming out, like, what are you doing, guys? Come on. <laughs> Step it up. Yeah. yeah, but we'll grow, you know, 10 to 15 varieties of tomatoes, a lot of chilies, right? Because sure. you cannot plant them. Chilies. Enough chilies. Our guys love yeah. chilies. And then, yeah. toma- you know, tomatillos, zucchini, squash, green beans, eggplant. Um, and right now we've got the winter crops going in, but we'll do some fun stuff too. We did okra this year. Um, you know, so there's always something new and so they're it's, the favorites. It's, it's for the staff. Now, what about, is French Laundry involved too? Do they have so, um, you know, French Laundry redid their kitchen. I do. A couple years ago. And right. they, during construction, had lost part of their garden to construction. And I knew some of the gardeners there actually through our high school teacher yeah. that Lauren mentioned, Mr. Mr. O'Connor. Mr. O, yeah. Mr. O. And all back together. I had great sympathy for anyone who lost space to construction after yeah, just course. have gone through this. Of course you did. And so I was looking around and talking to him and I was like, well, I have, we have a fallow field. Why don't you guys come and you can grow a few vegetables, um, and you know, on the property? We'll yeah, set up some water. Just while you're under construction. And right. it yeah. ended up just being a really great kind of natural partnership. And I truly believe in in when you can growing everything local um, yeah. and having that. And so, I mean, there's just again, just like we're all estate on the farm, you know, on the vineyard side. And so it just made so much sense that would want to grow all of our own produce as well and be able to grow produce locally. And so that very temporary relationship is still going. And so French Laundry still, they have a little bit of land that they can um, produce things on. That's fun. Yeah, and so it goes back to the restaurant. And sometimes, like, we'll sell them blackberries or, you know, kiwis. You get a free free dinner or something like that? Maybe maybe, not so much. (laughs) They drop off. Maybe a dessert, you know. We get some of their extras. It's pretty funny. They'll bring over... Like these big bins of chilies thinking that, you know, like they're like, this is. Yeah, we grew too many this year. Yeah. yeah. And they just watch it disappear within a span of like 10 minutes. Yeah. And they're just like, what? What? They're what just like. What are doing with these? Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. But it's fun. I mean, and then we have a we have a company salsa party. So all the ingredients a have to come a from. company salsa mm-hmm. party. That's yeah. another good idea. Yeah. And so we'll have, you know, is... 20 to 30 salsas and everyone uh, everyone in the company comes to judge. Good. And so we have this big tasting, and you'll just see and, like, and the, our employees are making the salsas yes, as well. Sure, yeah. Yeah. sure, yeah. yeah, from all the ingredients on the property. And it's funny because even people sit there and popping like and snacking on chilies during the day. When you're tasting twenty or thirty salsas, oh, no, no, you no. just start sweating. Sweat. <laughs> like everyone's no. bright red, <laughs> but everyone you know loving it. You know, and it's it's a lot of fun. And the it's yeah. a really cool nod to the culinary history at Trefethen, which mm-hmm. I mean, you know. It was. I actually love that you started the podcast with Cindy Paulson. Oh, I know. She's that was just, just the best. I mean, I, we grew up at Mustards, right? And uh, it, uh, but she was a rare beast in those early days. Yeah. There was no one here, 
Oh, and yeah. and so Culinary and especially desert. in with her garden before Cindy, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There you go, BC before Cindy. Um, the, it was, <laughs> that's, that's a good one. <laughs> it was uh, there were um, there was there was really nothing here, and we were all we the the vintners in Napa Valley were making wine to go with food, right? But there was no food. And so mom and Nana and a few other ladies. Jamie Davies from Schrumsburg. Mm-hmm. Yep. Molly yep. Chapelet. Mondavi. Yep. Uh, right. They got together and started basically teaching themselves to entertain. Um, and Teaching each other recipes that yep. they knew to expand your repertoire. Interesting. So. I didn't exactly. about that. Yeah. But that was the original group. That was. Yeah. And they, I'm sure we miss oh, Emily Didier. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure we miss someone. Um, but they started uh, it at. Uh, they, it kind of got a little bit bigger, and then and we had this little pool house on the property that um, once a month or something like that would become the Napa Valley cooking class. Oh, cool. Um, and for 20-something years, um, we hosted it. Well, and it worked so well because mom and these other ladies were often, um, you know, they're traveling across the country. And at that time, your wine, the wine buyer was the chef. Right. And so we'd invite the chef to come out to the property so they could experience it with us. And we'd ask them to do a cooking class. Yeah, perfect. And so, you know, and they were, of course, willing because at that time there wasn't a celebrity chef scene. And so it was really fantastic. So they'd come out, teach a class. You know, and be able to come and see the. So that Haley grew up on a stool yep. next to the kitchen counter, watching Jeremiah Tower yep. and Cindy Paulson was yep. one of the chefs, right? Um, and uh, Thomas Keller as well. Mm-hmm. Um, these were some of the first, and we had these great relationships with um, Wolfgang Puck yeah. and Charlie Trotter, um, and the just the relationships that developed from there. And I mean, the the food that's happening, like. The, we had no idea what was going on. It's right there. And a few of these great people decided, oh, I'm going to stay here. Yeah. <laughs> and, and open up a restaurant. And open up a Man, restaurant. You guys had a, you had a front row seat. I had a front row oh, seat. Cool. Yeah. Most really so, fun. We're um, in the process of bringing even more food back to Trefethen. Yeah. Good. Um, I'm in finishing up a commercial kitchen right now so that we can do some wine and food pairings and kind of bring some of that back. And again, I mean, using the produce from La Huerta. Yeah, so. it'll be farm to so table for be, both the food fun. and the wine. Yeah. So you've got that coming. <laughs> you've got the new wine, the cowgirl and the pilot. Yeah. What else is coming? What else oh. is new? Lorenzo, oh, Lorenzo, you we got, got, we got another little. Lorenzo brought, for you. brought this bag in today, and he, he keeps pulling <laughs> things keep out of it. Pulling things out. So here comes one? something yeah. new. Um, so we okay. Uh, we've only been working on this for about five years. Okay, so um, five and, years. Uh, so that's the original label. That's right? the original label. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. classic. You know, so we're talking about you know the wine Olympics in Paris and everything. Right. This is the label that was on. Very distinctive. On that. Exactly. Yeah. And that script was mm-hmm. done. Uh, so remember, mom's wants to call it Trefethen. The Trefethens thinks it's a terrible right, idea. Right. Mom finds this calligrapher named Sumner Stone, which is like the just the best name. Like he had to be a calligrapher, right? Um, and he'd, <laughs> he, she worked with him. He brought in a few um, sort of old uh, or just nods to our Celtic history because Trefethen's a Celtic name. Okay. And created this very distinctive script. Uh, and Lorenzo and, and I have just always had yeah. a love for it. And, okay. you know, it's 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 a fondness. Uh, maybe it's because it's the first bottles that we started drinking when we were little. But 
Um, Interesting to hear because you think the kids would be saying, oh, this is kind of old and tired. This is mom and dad's. Okay. So is that script and then the top of every bottle is is the the flower. The flower. The trefethan flower. flower. Right. And that's been on every bottle we've ever made. And we both have just this great affection for those brand marks. It's like our family seal. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And we'd been through so much over the last few decades and all this sort of internal evolution. We needed... um, an external reflection of that. Okay. So in order to uh, move us forward, we reached back and we um, created a new label based on the very first label we ever did, but we, we didn't want to make a retro label. We wanted to like have something that brought us into the modern era. So and I'm so, at the 1977. He finally is going to show me the is. new label. There's Jeez, the reveal. Yeah, no. The reveal. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Same type. You got the flower blown up. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, so it's got this very sort of modern, crisp feel. Modern, crisp, but it's still a throwback to the original. Totally. It's beautiful. It's, uh, you know, that whole... We did this with the reconstruction of the winery as well. We really embraced the the legacy, the things that had been built That's while moving into the future. And instead of a separate back label, it just rolls to it. That's yeah, lovely. Yeah, it's a three-quarter. And I love this color capsule, this cream color. Yeah. It's just yeah, beautiful. Kind of and every, every detail, I mean, we could go on for way too long, but um, <laughs> one of the things that I really love is the bright green bottle that we found. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, to reflect the, the bright wines that we make um, and just these wines of vitality and, and really like... Uh, I've been using the word tension recently. I love that to describe the the wines that we have always made. Beautiful. Congrats, yeah. you guys. Yeah. Thank so you. So if people want to find <laughs> Trefethen wines, where do they go? Well, the best, best is to come see us. That's yeah. the best yeah, place the is to best. come see go us. Go see them at Trefethen. Napa go Valley. Go, yeah. Come to Napa Valley. So come see this beautiful building they're yeah. at. Trefethen.com, which we'll be getting an upgrade as well okay. uh, early next year. Um, they can order wine right off the site. They can order wine there, but we're right. also distributed throughout the U.S., um, mostly in restaurants. Um, okay. But your favorite retailer, especially those great fine wine retailers, can get our wines and... Uh, Uh, even internationally as well. Great. Hey, well, you guys, thanks for coming in. This is exciting. Thanks for showing us the new, the new, the new reveals. Thank you (laughs) for um, having us. Say, say hi to mom and dad. We will. All right. Take care. Cheers. One of my favorite things about doing this podcast is how much I learn about this place. Napa Valley is only about 30 miles long, and yet it's amazing how much history, how many great stories and people have passed through this place. It was fun to talk with Haley and Lorenzo and hear about their place, their family, and their wines. If you're visiting the valley, be sure to include Trefethen on your itinerary. I think you'll find a lot to like. If you enjoy the taste, please take a moment to rate and review it on iTunes as that helps other people find the podcast. Anytime you want to reach us, just send an email to podcast at schafervineyards.com. I read them all and really appreciate the support. We'll see you next time.